This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Good morning, Connell. Good morning, Matt. Bit of a windy old morning out there this morning. I was coming in the driveway and there's tree branches everywhere. And yeah. Yeah. But uh, it is... It was crazy. It is the end of... Well, it's actually spring, isn't it? So I need some rain for my tanks, <coughs> Yeah, we, water tanks. We need some rain mm. for our grass as well. But yeah. anyway, mm. not important things really, are they, Matt? No, that's right. Welcome, listeners. Great to have you with us for Thrive Perspectives. And I don't know whether you were tuned into the last episode, but we had a really interesting discussion as we talked about faith and doubt and, and how that feeds into our lives and how we reconcile the doubts that we do have or the doubts that others even raise for us in context of our faith and we laid a great foundation I think for Mm. for that conversation Matt and Connell but uh, it'd be good this time there's been a few conversations going on in between between us and even just this morning before we began this podcast it'd be great to talk about some of the practicalities of that how that actually outworks in our lives because uh, it's it's really easy to talk, you know, the sort of theoretical kind of here's how we need to think, but actually it comes down to how we feel and then how we process those feelings in the context of our faith. And I think it'd be great to pick that up and, and take yeah. that this morning. And And I think the foundation is important because we need to understand what we can know and how we know what we know. And there is some, there is some, important kind of philosophical matters around faith and doubt and what are the and what what's the difference between knowledge and faith or is and you know I said last time faith is a kind of knowledge I think uh, all of that is important so if you haven't listened to the previous, previous one, episode yeah. I think it would be good to do that but it it leads into a whole lot of issues and and it is, this is a practical issue for Christians and I have a lot of conversations with Christians who really struggle with uh, with doubt and how to overcome almost this tendency to overthink things and i think we're all overthinkers <laughs> this is this is like overthinkers anonymous or not so anonymous uh, connell what do you reckon <laughs> absolutely so yeah, what yeah. connell to talk us through some of perhaps some of the issues uh, let's let's open the lid on some of these issues and 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 then we can talk through some of the things that we we face even as christians in relation to doubt this whole question of doubt sort of really is an important one to me because as a bit of an overthinker, it's kind of defined much of my Christian journey, really. Once I started to question everything and really seeking to know God from a, I guess some sort of sense of real confidence that he's, he's real and he's, he really is who he says he, mm. he is. Because there's always this sense of stepping out in faith, but then there's this little bit of doubt that stops you from doing that. And, you know, there's a sense of that I can't actually progress in my faith unless I keep working through these doubts that mm. keep coming up all the time. Yeah. And uh, and so I'm always looking at doubt, the question of doubt and trying to overcome it because I want to move forward mm. in my faith. Yeah. And that's kind of how I've <laughs> tended to walk the journey. And I have walked through it, you know, quite deeply as I have pushed in, into that and really questioned things and really deconstructed mm. my faith to a point where I wasn't really believing at all yeah. anymore in the existence of God. Mm. And I think through that journey, 
I was earnestly seeking God more than anything else, but yet still couldn't um, have that confidence that I, that, I, that I wanted. And I think mm. what we talked about last time in the last episode, it was oriented towards the idea of evidence and, and scientific knowledge and different ways of knowing, which is good because it's looking at it certainly from outside of the faith. How do you at least even start to think about the possibility that God is actually a reasonable proposition, proposition. Mm. To, to start mm. with? And I think a lot of us as Christians will ask those questions. But I was thinking about it and thinking, well, where does that actually originate from? And a lot of it, I think, originates from, well, let's just think about it. The Christians are actually seeking God. They are actually wanting God to be. Mm. They're not like looking at it from the outside, trying to find reasons not to believe. Mm. From a Christian perspective in doubt, you're trying to believe and wanting God to be real, but yet you're struggling. Mm. To, so that's where it's coming from. So what, but where is it ultimately coming from? And it's this sort of sense maybe of disappointment um, in God that he's not how you think he should be. Mm. Or, you know, we talk a lot about a faith is based on a relationship with God, but what if I'm not feeling any kind of relationship mm. with God? Mm. What if when I sit down and read the Bible, it just bores me to tears? Mm. Yeah. What what when I come and pray, I'm, I'm praying into emptiness, mm-hmm. and that's that's my whole experience of God. Mm. And then when I come to church and or associate with other Christians, everybody talks about how great God is in their life, the relationship that they have with God, and so on. What am I supposed to feel? That just makes it worse, doesn't it? <clears throat> and and I know in my journey, mm. when I was going through and say, look, I'm sick of feeling like this and starting to question it, the more that I spoke to other Christians and really got beneath the surface, I could see that they were still struggling with a lot of these same things. Same things. Mm. And so that's what I think it would be really good to talk through mm. because I think this is something that a lot of people are struggling with. Yeah, it is. Like, let's get down to the real raw yeah, it's honesty. Good. What do we do if we feel like God isn't part of major decisions that we've got to make in our life? What happens if he's silent? What happens if his presence isn't obvious yeah. in our life? Yeah. And I, th- I think a lot of it comes from, you know, if I've, if I've got a, f- a friendship, or even like, think about as a father and a, a child. Imagine mm. a child screaming out, in pain for mm. their father, and the father yeah. is absent and and doesn't come. You're going to start to doubt whether mm. the father even loves you. And I think we transfer that into our concept of relationship That's right. with God. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. You raise questions that aren't talked about enough, Connell. And and I, this is this is an area that I think we're afraid to talk about and look in the face sometimes. Mm. Because the the very nature of it is, you know, if we don't have a good enough explanation, I mean, a lot of this is sits outside rational explanation to some extent, but mm-hmm. there are some things we can say about this. And a good way to begin is just to connect this with some of the elements of what we were talking about last time, just to create Sounds good. That, that connection. Yeah. Because all of that groundwork is not just about, you know, smart philosophical stuff. It actually is analyzing the way that we think now. There's a very famous recent book called A Secular Age by a Canadian philosopher called Charles Taylor. And he asked the question, how is it now that we have that experience where the experience of 
like doubting, is, is God really there? And yet there was a time going back 500 years ago when that question was never really raised. People still struggled with does God care about me or why is God absent or there were those sorts of issues that you mentioned there with the mm-hmm. you know the child screaming mm-hmm. out and 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 you know they would maybe reason well maybe God is against me or or it was all about the, the relational dynamics but there was never any question that there was a spiritual world and there was a God or that that question doesn't seem to arise in people's minds and and Charles Taylor raises the question how we got to a point where Actually, as a as a cultural thing, it's it's almost normal now. Is that even believers? And and I think this is very insightful thing that he that he talks about in that book. He says even for believers, Christians, and he's a Catholic, Charles Taylor. He said it's a different experience believing now with our cultural background, with the way that we think, because we're sort of plagued by this perspective that creates this question. Uh, this fundamental question of is God even there, or you know, and and so he he analyzes that, and basically it comes back to, and this is where I'll connect to what we talked about last week. It comes back to this sense in which we set ourselves off from reality, and this is a it's a kind of psychological thing that that we do that I've described as a kind of God. It's an expression of a kind of God complex. Now. I use God complex to describe the essence of the human predicament. This is the essence of human sin, an original temptation. Then you will be like God, you know, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's indicating there's a perspective that they would have by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they weren't meant to have. You know, they were meant to have this innocence sitting so much inside God's goodness and being good themselves in the sense that they had no knowledge of anything outside of that. Right. Mm. And so by eating from the tree, they, in a sense, they take one step outside of that and it becomes this option in a way. And in fact, we see the you know, successive generations of degradation of human beings. And anyway, that's mm. that's the biblical story, isn't it? But essentially what you've got there is a kind of God complex. And, and, and I do think that this is – when I talk to people about these things, and, and even for me, that experience is a very familiar experience to me. And I genuinely feel that I have been able to overcome that – by dealing with this very perspective, by recognizing that when I even ask that question, what I'm asking is a relationship to the reality of God that looks like me setting myself off from some fact that's separate to me, you know, like some objective fact. And that is problematic in the sense that I'm I'm looking to know something in a way that is not the way that we're meant to know things. So it's like we have this this addiction, and this is this gets to our the contemporary condition mm. that we sort of worked up to in it last time. Is that we have this condition where we will only recognise something as knowledge as really being known mm-hmm. if it's in this sort of subject object relationship. Like it's it's a fact that I can look at and understand and and experience in some sort of tangible yeah. sense. But what if that is not even possible with God? You know, that kind of knowledge. And actually it's not really. So 
one of the things that I and 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 I'll let you jump in and and you can pull me to bits after this because <laughs> I know you want to and, I'll, uh, and 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 I want you to as well oh, yeah okay. um, because I You're think getting it's a bit philosophical we, there man I think. yeah no no I know and you're wanting to get practical but for me yeah like for me my my journey in you know studying philosophy and understanding ways of thinking this is not I don't that I don't section off that academics part of my yeah, life from. Yeah. You know, from my spiritual journey. I mean, I, you know, my life since I became a Christian has been a, a spiritual journey of coming to know and be more aware of God. That mm-hmm. that is of knowing God is the is the central preoccupation uh, of my life. And any intellectual journey in that has been really a journey of understanding how we think the way that we think. And this is was a matter of calling for me. I, this was something that God mm-hmm. called me into. And I know that intellectual stuff can lead people away from God if it's not, uh, you know, if it's not within that broader journey of of a journey with God. And for me, I have felt that my uh, journey in in studying philosophy, and of course, you know, within the context of studying biblical worldview and studying scripture, but my studies in philosophy have genuinely led me to significant spiritual breakthroughs because I've been able to analyze the problematic ways in which I sort of set myself off from reality and and then find that I w- I'm only recognizing certain things, like psychologically, only recognizing certain things as knowledge, expecting God to, expecting to know God in certain ways that essentially makes God less. Mm. And this, is, this has been really important for actual practical breakthrough now for me. I recognize now, and if I can just describe the difference now, so I, I totally recognize what you're saying is that experience of man, I, I, like I'm, like is God even there? I, I, and 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 just thinking over that and and struggling with that sense of trying to understand or why wouldn't God do that or why wouldn't God do this? Moving from that to actually understanding that I I am inside something unfolding. I, I'm, and the way that I put it is like. Like I am immersed in the great river of the being of God, you know, and 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 I'm being carried along here, and the river is carrying me through really difficult experiences, and it's not like I don't have the sense of oh God out there somewhere, why aren't you coming to help me? Because I'm actually God is actually I'm moving through that, immersed in a sense in in that mm. sense of the presence of God. Now that sounds very idealized, and it's not. I'm not saying there's no struggle in those moments, but for me. The difference is recognizing that I'm not set off from this knowledge uh, in that way. It's been a process of learning how to be aware that I'm actually inside yeah. this reality. Mm-hmm. And that is experientially significant f- for me. You know, it begins with an acknowledgement Lord, you are present. I'm immersed in your presence. Mm-hmm. I'm in the midst of an unfolding miracle. I, it makes sense to me why I would not understand that because I'm on the inside of it, right? Yep. Understanding for us means standing on the outside of something, seeing it all, and being able to look at it in that subject-object relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't have that relationship with God because God is not an object, it, neither a tangible object nor an intellectual object that I can know in that sense. Yeah. I can only know by being in the midst of this great river of being and, in a sense, moving with God in that sense. Mm. But the thing that's that 
previously has stopped me from that is that I got so caught up in trying to know God in this objective sort of sense that it almost blocked my awareness that I'm actually already inside this thing that I'm trying to know from the outside. Yep. Does that – okay, does, well, now go. Yeah, pull me to pieces. No, I'm not going to pull you to – I think what you're saying is right. I think there's another way to, to look at it because I, I still think even talking about it as being treating God as, you know, on the uh, – something to observe or a subject, you know, to, to analyse – and that, let's let, let's say for clarity, let's yeah, say an object to an analyze, object. yeah, yeah. Because the the way that I've used the language is we are subjects, We're the subject, yeah, yeah, and he's the object, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. And and I think that's one way to look at it. But I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily see that that's what they're doing because I think doubt is something that grows gradually. You're not starting out to go, I want to, I want to prove God to be real before I put my trust in Him. I want to put my trust in Him. In fact. I have put my trust in him, and when I put my trust in him, I'm not really sure that it's working out. I've maybe feeling let down, or maybe feel like he hasn't got me, or the the promise in, of that relationship just isn't. So why? then, I, so but why? Because you're right. Let yeah, me just say, at yeah. first, I came to faith not through me working it out. Because in fact, yeah. when I came to faith, I was probably at the peak of my certainty that it wasn't real. Mm. And yet God took hold of me. It's like God enveloped me in a sense. Yep. And I found myself knowing something in a way that I, I yeah. you know, that that I just couldn't doubt. And yet it's hard to explain. Yeah, you can't and yet doubt it's hard it. to explain. And yeah. yet as I went on through my Christian life, the doubt started to arise because I, in a sense, relapsed a bit into that other way of thinking, yeah. even though I was very much on the inside, mm. my mind wanted to jump on the outside and look in yeah. and understand it all in that sense. But it's interesting because it's almost like that's what God does when we're outside. It's like he, he actually kind of grabs hold of us and, and brings us in. And then when we actually start on our Christian journey, I know- Well, it, it happens a, even within the Christian journey. But possibly. I know even as a Christian, looking at amazing things that happen to people who are mm. outside the Christian faith that God yeah. does to bring them in. Yeah. And then when you become a Christian, the way that God's moving isn't so dramatic. You know, it starts to become harder to, uh, yes, to that's see right. So the, the, the original movement is can be – well, I say it can be a dramatic movement. It was reason, mm. reasonably dramatic for me because it was – I had no Christian background. But it's not, not – mm. it won't be for my kids, for example. Mm. I think that – well, it might be for some of them. Anyway, let's not go into that. But, you know, when – if you're brought up in that and you come to faith gradually, mm. uh, that can be a dramatic thing. But, yeah, maybe, maybe it is – for a lot of people, it is that desire for that dramatic experience. But that's also where the way that God works shifts gears. Because if you're outside and maybe not even looking for him in any serious way, he kind of picks us up and gives us a revelation of himself that really mm. moves us closer yeah. to him. Then once we've sort of put our faith in him, become a Christian, starting to work on the, the journey, what God's trying to do with us now is something different. He's trying yeah. to deepen our roots. He's trying to get us to seek him, to really mm. kind of lean into to really seeking to really learning and understanding and also he's 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 doing a work within us he's trying to change us now mm. refine us 
and yeah. and and changes from and it's a very gentle are. and constant thing yeah that's as opposed right. to dramatic experiences that's right of getting a thin you know we talk about the dramatic experience <clears throat> from god's point of view there isn't anything more dramatic i don't think than rescuing someone even yeah. if it doesn't feel like to us yeah. an amazing experience so i think sometimes again we're putting all these things feelings experiences in the context of our human nature. Yeah, that's right. From God's point of view, it's like there isn't anything bigger he could do than grab you from wherever you are and put you inside, you know, in terms of Yeah, that's right. It. And that's what you're saying is that, you know, some of us have had that initial big yeah. experience of mm-hmm. that change, but what then? You know, yeah. and, and you can keep seeking after those big experiences. Now, the problem with that is that the, the theory of big experiences does move somewhat against the grain of actually what God wants to do. Because what what I think God wants to move us towards is a depth and a constancy of life in him where it becomes, it unfolds in such a normal and rhythmic way that, you know, it's like our breathing. When we breathe normally, we don't notice the air. But if all the oxygen was sucked out of this room, we would be, man, we would be begging for air. And then if the room yeah. was then filled with air again, we'd be, oh, you know, then we'd be so thankful. But then, you know, we would mm. just get back to normal and we'd stop noticing the air, yeah. right? Now, the, the reality of God is so imminent and so constant. We're immersed in this great river of the presence of God. It flows. It's the life within us. It's the source of our being, our consciousness. And so it's easy for us then to not notice that, you know, like I've said before, it's like a fish in the ocean. So yep. where is the ocean? Mm-hmm. When in fact, you know, the fish, the ocean is inside and outside yep. the fish. So the problem with the search for big experiences is that it does move against this sense of constancy. Yep. Uh, and because God is so great and so constant and wants to be so constant that the big experience, if anything, big experiences indicate that there's there was there's probably a problem perhaps. So think about, it's almost almost like this Jonah moment, you know. Well, I reckon Jonah's, the biggest experience in Jonah's life (laughs) was being swallowed by a whale and spat out again. But that's a big experience. Mm -hmm. But let's not celebrate that because Jonah had that experience because he was running away from God, right? That was the big experience uh, was the thing that that brought him back. Mm. And the way that I've illustrated it before, it's like, Thinking and, and I've used this illustration of this great river that we're a part of, and in this sense, it's this in, you know great infinite river of God's presence. But let's imagine it like there's banks, and and of course you, you can't push these metaphors too far. But let's say there's these banks, and you wade into the river up up to your waist, uh, but you still don't want to let go of your foothold. Right? God's calling us to be com- completely flow with the river, but you're standing there. Yes, I believe I've had that. You know. And there's a lot of, because the river is flowing against you, you know, there's a lot of froth and bubble and because the river's trying to draw you into into its flow, right? And so as long as you're digging in your heels, there's that, you know, there's you feel that resistance and then you might let go and, and you realize the difference. You know, it's this great release. Oh, I don't feel this a reality, like I'm somehow in tension with reality anymore. And you have this moment of difference, but then you're just flowing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and then the big experience is gone. And but do we wish? Should we wish for that that well, same experience again? Uh, but tell me what well, what does it, a big experience I, look look I, like for you? I don't want to go down the ra- too much of the rabbit hole. The big experience because I even think that's <clears> in contrast. What I'm trying to do there is contrast that we often have those big experiences when we first come to f- faith. Yeah, and I guess what I'm saying is. 
I don't necessarily need the big experience, but just to be able to set aside some time, come before God in prayer and have some sort of sense that is there. That is there. So what you're and really so what, saying? What, what are you yeah. asking for? Like, so what you're really saying is pre, there there was a sense of at the moment you came to faith, there was no doubt that God was there. You really knew, but the minute you did, now all the questions. Well, it's not even as it's not even as abrupt as that yeah. because I know well, yeah. what it's like. Yeah, to experience the presence of God. So yeah. I'm not saying that mm. you become a Christian and then that that's it. There's nothing. Mm. My life is anchored by real encounters, tangible, real encounters with God. Yeah. I know what it's like to to to, to sit in the to sit in the presence yeah. of God. I know what that's mm. like. Yeah. Um. And in between them, because I know what it's like. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. I'm seeking. Yeah. God, I just I don't need a big experience. I don't need light to light up the room, and you know. But are you still there? But I just want to yeah. feel. Yeah. Something, you know, I just sometimes I just want a hug or I just <laughs> want to know. Just yeah. or, or when I when I pray, just every now and again, just give me a little something, something to go. You know, you. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's all good. I'm yeah, looking yeah, for. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, and and you get those periods of dryness, as we call them, where there's just nothing, and it's like it's so discouraging. Hmm. And no man, and what I find is through those dry periods, even those big experiences that anchor my Christ, and they do anchor it because I keep coming back to them and looking at them and go, but I know God worked there. I know he did that. I know mm. he worked. So those things are, are anchors. But in those long periods of dryness, doubt starts to creep in and you start to actually doubt those experiences too. Yeah. You start this question, did I make it up? Can I just jump in here for one second? Because I think that's a real something I learned probably about fifteen years ago was the importance of those what I call spiritual markers. That sense yeah. of let's put yeah. a rock here yeah, yeah, to remember too. this is what God did at this moment. Because I found exactly the same thing. Then you'll go six or seven years, and I can actually remember going soon after we moved to to Australia. We moved my family from New Zealand to Australia. I went to my pastor at the time and said, I feel like God's just abandoned me. I've, I felt like I was obedient. Yeah. <laughs> I've come here. Yeah. And I feel like God's as far away as he's ever been in my life. What on earth is going on here? And, and, and that was the moment where I realized I needed to have, and I think that's great that you've articulated that, these spiritual markers, we need to mark those things. And even from a biblical point of view, we see times where God says, "Put, make a mound of rocks here so you yeah. remember yeah. this is the time God did that. Big thing, for want of a better word. Yeah, because I think those things are important, but I also think, I mean, the whole of the biblical narrative is filled with what I think I'm trying to articulate here. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, and and this is where I think in, in kind of our uh, culture, I'm not sure if it's always been this way, you know, through history, but certainly in our, our culture and church culture, I think we gloss over the fact that the actual picture that's painted in the Bible is one of God being at times close to his people, but then also withdrawing or not speaking when I think, from my own human wisdom, God, you should have said something then. You should have intervened. You yeah. should have, you know, where were you? But yet is a reason why he's painting all through, mm. all through the narrative is saying, this is how it works. The current culture, we, we paint a picture of God as a person. Mm. 
and we we treat God's relationship with us like a human relationship. So we mm-hmm. we personify or humanize all of those words without realizing that they're only kind of rough estimations of mm. of what they are that kind of helpful but also unhelpful in other yeah. ways. Because if we view God, the relationship with God, for example, through a, a human lens, we think, what would I do if someone's my friend? How would I treat them? Yeah. And then I go, well, that's why I think you should intervene in this way, God. And I think, yeah, as I say, the whole biblical narrative, if we look, look t- take an example like Job, in the, the time yeah. of his life, the worst. He feels abandoned. Totally abandoned. And then in the absence, he was experiencing silence from God because his friends then came to try to mm. go, well, this is what I think is going mm. on. And obviously mm. yeah. they were com- all completely yeah. off the mark. Where was God? You know, yeah. he was silent through all of that, through unimaginable pain and suffering. Mm. And and there's a reason those stories are in there, because they demonstrate what the relationship is actually meant to be like. So if you're experiencing that dryness or sense of God being distant, don't be surprised. Even though I think in Christian circles we talk about relationship as if, oh, I have such a great relationship with God. God's so amazing. He does so many good, you know. Yeah. And you might be thinking, whoa, that's not my experience. That's not my experience. But if mm-hmm. we go back to the to the the biblical narrative, that's yeah. not the picture that is painted there. Mm. That's right. And the Psalms, goodness, <laughs> so many times, how long, oh Lord, how long? Mm. You know, will you reject they feel rejected, they feel forsaken. It's it's interesting to note that they that they don't ever doubt that God's there. So it's slightly different. So going back to what I said, the issue for them is that they feel forsaken by God mm-hmm. or, or the, the sense that there's such a deep assumption that, that God is there that that doesn't seem to be in question. It's well, more, it's more. why isn't God interacting with I, me? I wonder about that, though, because how quickly did they then abandon belief in God and then change their belief to a different... To a, a different God. Yeah, exactly. so it's almost like, well... That God's not work. So their their fundament. This is where I think their fundamental worldview is is different to ours today. Yeah, that's right. And so they would often adopt belief in gods that were more tangible, yeah. a, a little bit gods that you could interact with a bit more. But to me, that's doubt. Temptation. They doubted the god. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that they had been revealed. That's to their them. version of that. Yeah, and that's so right. Their version of it. And yeah. then they've created an alternative. Instead. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so yeah, that that experience of. Uh, of the absence of God, it was often uh, an experience of of God not doing anything, or that I'm in this situation. God's not changing that situation. And one of the things in the Psalms actually is that some of the greatest and most important sort of moments of connection with God actually happen before anything changes. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of coming to faith. Uh, you know, Psalm 27, for example, is a famous example. You know, one thing I ask, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And and, and there's this sense of celebration of, well, there's this expression of faith in the midst of a very difficult circumstance. Or another one is Psalm 73, where in the midst of a very difficult circumstance and the psalmist feeling abandoned by God, God's not doing anything to change my circumstance. And yet there's there's a moment of profound connection there with God. Now, that's... They 
they access that through the process of complaint and interaction with God. And there are some Psalms, like with Psalm 88, where, where it's not recorded that they do have any, mm-hmm. any great you know, experience. And I mean, now we know that Job does in, yeah. in the end that God speaks powerfully to him, but God lets him sit in that space for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And, and he lets the process of complaint and all of that unfold. And somehow that's important. I mean, the fact that we have it in the Psalms, which are the Psalms, which are the great picture of what faith looks like from the inside. This is what this is the yeah. book of prayer and worship and praise, right? And yet we have all of these expressions <laughs> of struggle and uh, people crying out to God and why, you know, what, why aren't you doing anything and why have you forsaken me? And and that that process is important because through that they are grappling with that and they're appealing to God's promise. But God, you promised and you said you would always be with us. And what you see through that process is faith actually being exercised. Mm-hmm. And remember, we're saying faith is a kind of knowledge. It's a decision. Yeah. It's a decision to say, no, I'm stepping into this. This is something I'm stepping into. Faith is essentially stepping into it's that step. And and it does change things. Yeah. Um, so what you see there is even before the circumstances change, they've exercised this faith and it involves all of that process of struggle. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so they don't disengage from the struggle. Mm-hmm. So the, the opposite to faith in that circumstance is disengaging from the struggle and saying, ah, oh, well, God's not, he's not interested yeah. in us anymore. And, and there are expressions of that. So for example, in oracles of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they accuse the people of basically giving up on God, saying, well, God never turned up. So we just, you know, he doesn't see, he doesn't, doesn't mm-hmm. care. Or at so, least hedging their bets. Yeah, hedging else. their bets. So we'll just, you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll- Take a dollar each way. Yeah, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll uh, rely on foreign alliances and other gods and, and yeah. whatever. But faith is actually leaning in and saying, no, God, but you are committed. You are committed to me and, and yeah. you are. And so so the struggle there is is very real. Now, I have learned to engage that struggle and there have been times in my life where I've been close to that disengagement or probably have disengaged, actually. And, you know, that, and that's, that's in a sense doubt in the wrong kind of sense. You know, that there's a struggle that we can engage with that can go in the right direction. Um, that is the struggle of faith. And I think faith is a yep. struggle at times. Yep. But it can also go the wrong direction where we disengage. There's, there's a doubt that disengages and said, ah, oh, it's not, you know, it's not. And and I've experienced both those things mm. uh, at times. Now you, you said before that you know there are these dry seasons, you know when you know when God is not uh, doing anything. One of the things that I've recognised is that I I am actually always in the midst of something that's happening. There is something happening. It's just that I'm not perhaps aware of that, mm. or is and certainly. You know, I'm being, ca- and, and again, the way that I, the way that I've illustrated, for lack of a better way to explain this, is like, you know, the river flows into a very difficult place. You know, like rapids, and I'm being hit against the rock. And what are you doing, God? And but the river that flow carries me in will carry me out the other side. The constant, the constant thing there, is this sense of the flow mm. of, of God's carrying me yep. through those uh, experiences. Mm. Now, the degree to which I'm conscious or that or connected with that sense of God's presence that goes up and down admittedly uh, absolutely there are some there there are moments when I'm very aware of that and there are moments where I'm less aware of that but whether I'm aware or not aware of it it's still 
an unfolding reality that I'm in the midst of it. Like even my very consciousness yeah. is a byproduct of the reality of God in a sense. Yeah. You know, the, 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 even the fact that I'm that I'm thinking about it, or even the fact that I'm struggling, is exercising. God-given capacities mm. in a perpetual sense. So for those capacities to come out in us, and I think this is where the struggle comes from, yeah. as, you, as you say. Like when I look at the the sort of evolution of my development of my faith, I can see how those struggles are probably initially, no, probably more than initially, probably half of my Christian walk has been to disengage after. And this, my initial response is to press in harder and harder and get angry, frustrated, yeah. uh, anxious, mm. because if God's not there, then what else? Mm. You know, the, and your worldview may start to feel like it gets challenged and you become defensive of that and, and say, well, yep. I, I can't deal with that. So you kind of stick with it. But then, and you're constantly in this f- flux of bouncing around of emotions and, yeah. and, and, and it's, it's quite a fear-inducing thing to be in that turbulent time of of trying to question things. And, and ultimately, I would then start to disengage. Mm. And I think the point where that has changed would be when God is does actually show himself to some degree. And I realize that he is actually there and He ha- he wants me to trust him irrespective of what I'm feeling mm. or how I think he should be so what what do you acting. mean so what do you mean by God show himself or like what do you mean about yeah. you know when you talk about ex- these experiences or awareness yeah. or what well, do you mean by that so I, I mentioned it on an uh, earlier episode going back a while ago but you know I, I I struggled especially going through uni going from a really strong faith to really questioning, yeah, faith, and in the end, I would would I would I went through multiple episodes of going saying to God, I just want no more to do with this. I'm just sick of it. You said I have a relation. I have no relationship with you. You never speak to me. You never communicate. You might as well not be there. And I'm starting to question whether you mm. actually are there. So I would completely then disengage because then I'd start to look at the science and go, well, you know, maybe this, maybe yeah. I've made a mistake here. Mm. Maybe I should. Ditch this whole God thing. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. And then, but because I like to think about things and I look at it from the other way, I realize I'm in starting to end up in a really irrational, absurd space that my worldview completely falls. If I thought it was bad before, now it's even worse. (laughs) It's like, so I kind of come crawling back to God and go, oh, you know, just show me again, you know, I'll give you another chance. And he doesn't, um, and then I fall away again and disengage. And there's this cycle of constantly coming back to God saying, just, just I'll give you another chance to, to show yourself to me, you know. Mm. And he didn't. And, it, and the, the thing that I went through quite a long period of time where I was totally disengaged. And then I, I, I came back to God because it, you know, even just thinking about it rationally and reasonably, I, I then started to say, look, I, I do believe that you're there, God. I, I can't, it's an inescapable fact for me. It just keeps coming back. But this time, I no longer want to place a demand on you that you ever have to show yourself mm. to me or reveal yourself. I'm just going to trust that you are there 
all the time, irrespective of what happens. Mm. Or how you feel. And I made that, I, I came before God on my own, in my bedroom, and that was the commitment that I made to God mm. at that point. Yeah. And because and, I have nothing else to go to, it's only you, God. Mm. And you don't have to make sense, but that's, that's the rock that I'm going to stand on. And so it was actually at that point, was sitting there, and I just said, but anytime you want to reach out and just grab hold of me, <laughs> just do it. And at that moment, that was the most powerful moment I've ever had mm. of God, like physically, his presence, like literally the light just op- like it just felt like I was in a light tunnel opening up, running through my body, the shaking, mm-hmm. the, the sense of God's presence was just profound. God revealed something to me about the urgency of, there's a sen- well, sense of urgency that people are not seeking God when they should be. And this means that people, I had this picture of people, all my neighbors, all sitting in their house in front of the TV, no interest in God whatsoever. Yeah. And the tangible presence of God to me at that moment was so intense. There was no doubt, yeah. no doubt left in me at all. And just panic because it was like, this is all real. People are, are actually lost. People yeah. are completely yeah. oblivious to what's going on. I've just seen and mm. felt the tangible presence of God in a completely undeniable mm. way. You can imagine having all doubt yeah. flushed from your yeah. from your, your whole being. I could only even stand it yeah. probably for like, you know, like a minute. And yeah. I was thinking, oh, I just don't know how much more I can take of this. Mm. And that's and and it, and then it sort of just contracted and and went away, and I, I was just completely shook up from mm. it. And that was a really important thing for me because I was able to actually see it didn't happen until I was prepared to say, I'm just going to trust you no matter what. Now, mm. I'm not saying that that experience is that there's any kind of pattern in that. For some reason, God chose to do that mm. for me then. He doesn't work like that through most of my life, but that was one particular moment. But I know the point that was being made. He wanted me to actually come before him with that sense of, I just give up. I'm just going to stand yeah. on what you've told me is true, yeah. mm. whether I whether I see it, whether I experience it. I'm just going to trust that you're always there. And then you sort of realize, but well, that is actually what he said in the Bible. Mm. This is how it's going to be. Yeah. He's always there, but you're not going to be aware of him. Mm. And, and so I think that was a really important journey for me. Through Now, I've had multiple experiences, not quite as intense as that, but where I would still start to slide away and disengage again. And, um, and I always keep coming back to, I've just got to try. And it goes back to what you said, Matt back at the start too. And I think this is where it feeds into this whole mm. idea of God being always around, just trusting yeah. that he's always around you. He's always there. He's, 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 it's just like the air that's around you. It's, you've just got to just live in that. This is where I think we, when we personify God and treat him as a, a person yeah. and a relationship, like a human relationship, it's, it's well, not. He's personal, but, he's, but not, 
not, not in, in that, that not in the limited way that we're used to with other like you're there and I'm here and but that's how I look for God. far more pervasive. That's right. I yeah. think God should be like that's yeah. how that's how my conjecture yeah. of God is based on that, or in terms of relationship. So I think I expect Him to be there like any other. Yeah, it's like you friend. turn up at a cafe to meet someone, and, and and when someone doesn't sit opposite you at the table, it's you. Yeah, you know, yeah. Th- there's no one there, and I don't think we expect God. You know, have that experience of that subject object yeah. experience where where God sort of comes in and 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 there's no doubt that that there are moments where we have these experiences that something breaks through, uh, and and so I want to just pick up on that point because mm. there is this imperative to seek God yep. and find and and I and let me use another illustration. I think probably I I find myself going for metaphors because they help to explain i think something uh, unexplainable this and, and and this is another metaphor and i've used this before i actually use this in in my book deeper places which is a book on the spirituality of the psalms to help to explain some of this dynamic that that we're talking about particularly the process of seeking god and why if we're immersed in the presence of god and god is within us and without us and well why do we need to seek god as though he's somewhere else well we're not we're actually not that's not we're not seeking God because God is somewhere else, but there is a very there's an importance to seeking God. And the way that I've illustrated it is, you know, we have this natural God complex. Mm-hmm. It's it's essentially sin. And even even as Christians, we still have this propensity to revert to ways of thinking and attitudes that are sinful in, in this sense that I'm gonna describe. It's a little bit like we form this this kind of uh, this hard skit, you know, this hard cocoon almost. We cocoon ourselves, and uh, and this is what the Bible, you know, refers to as, you know, talks about, you know, being soft-hearted and hard-hearted. And in a way, all human beings have this hardness of heart issue. You know, it's not just located in your particular struggle. It's just something that we all. It's a propensity that we all have. And the way that, and this is where seeking God is is important. The way that I've illustrated this is it's, we're like in those situations, uh, like those deep sea submarines in the ocean. Imagine that God is this inf- infinite ocean of God's presence. And we become like these deep sea submarines. So imagine you're in, you're in a deep sea submarine, but your native environment is actually out in the ocean, but you're inside this cocoon and you have this sense like God is all God is everywhere in this sense, but you have in a relational sense, and this is where this kind of breaks down, because even when we doubt or shut ourselves off from God, ironically, he's still upholding our very being <laughs> and enabling us to even be conscious of what's happening, right? Yep. So in a sense, the process of seeking God for me is like taking that cocoon and pushing it deeper into the things of God. Yep. And when a submarine goes deeper, there comes a point where the depth starts to exert pressure on the skin. And often when that happens, particularly if we're not willing to let go, you know, of our little controlled world that we want to play God over, because in order to feel like we're God, we have to create a small enough universe, (laughs) a small enough world over which it's possible to feel like we're in control. And so we have these, we live in these sort of cocoons, you know, a little God complex cocoons. And and we can, as I said, we easily revert to this. But the seeking God for me looks like me with all of my hard-heartedness pushing deeper into God. And there comes a point where the pressure of, of God's presence starts to exert upon the the whole, whole of the yeah, yeah, the whole of the submarine, you know, and and it starts to creak and crack. And that's where, and I know from experience, it's often been at that point where I've pulled back. And this is where this is the decision 
that we then make. No, I'm going to seek God and, and I'm going to completely surrender. This is where surrender is important, right? Because it feels like a kind of death going any in mm. any further because you are going to lose everything. Yeah. You're going to lose your whole sense of control and you are going to find yourself immersed in something that you cannot control or and yet it's your native environment, yeah. you know, and yet there's this there's this discomfort that comes and often that's when we, you know, we seek God to a certain point and then we sort yeah. of back off because it's it's it yeah. exerts that pressure on the whole, right? But for me Often those sorts of experiences that you describe are when I push and I keep seeking God and I push deeper and the whole cracks and I get this spray, right? Mm -hmm. Because previously it's like I believe God is out there, but it feels remote from me. Even though I'm immersed in God, it's still a bit out there somewhere. Just like if you're in a submarine, you are surrounded by the ocean, but you're not experientially connected with it, really. it's it's You have shut yourself. And those first moments where... God starts to crack that hull and through the cracks, you know, think of those submarine movies where the, you know, the, the, you know, the bolts start to crack and fly out and the water starts to spray. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, it's real. Right. And yeah. because you're getting sprayed with this cold free, you know, yeah. this, this water, yeah. you know, that's the beginnings of what, of what this is like. And, and that's the point at which we need to recognize mm-hmm. that and, and completely surrender. surrender. Yeah. And because what God wants to do is to break away that, you know, yeah. to break away that God comes to break away that hull. And for me, the experience of knowing God is is a little bit like, you know, I've I've done deep sea diving. It's a little bit like when you when you deep sea dive, you equalize, like you equalize your ears. You have to keep equal, mm-hmm. otherwise there's this pressure. And and the idea is is that the pressure inside your eardrums matches the pressure of the ocean outside. Because if there's a discordance between the two, it causes immense pain. The yeah. discordance between the internal pressure and the out uh, the external pressure. That's what's going on in a submarine when it goes because the the pressure outside the submarine is so much greater than the pressure inside the submarine, yeah. and it wants to break yeah. it open. Yeah. And so. Deep sea fish are, are almost jelly-like. They're able to, you know, exist in that in that high pressure environment. And, you know, we are made to live in the presence of God. And to me, the initial experience of breaking that open, I find myself feeling it's like this immense pressure, and yet I am floating weightlessly. There's a weightlessness because I've completely surrendered to this vast, infinite reality of God in which I'm immersed. It's flooded into me, and so the internal pressure is matching the external pressure, and um, but it creates this sense of weightlessness, you know. And and I'm in this native environment, which is I'm made to live in the presence of God, but I I have, you you know, but then again, I have this propensity to... Want to take well, back control, and so I grow back the. That to me, know, is the external pressure. I think there's two things there. God wants us to. I hope that think. illustration, by the way, is <laughs> well, helpful. <laughs> let me let, let it go this way with it, because I think God wants us to actually drop the submarine down deeper. Yeah. Okay. That is uncomfortable for us because when we do that, it means that we are actually having to let go of certain things that are not the way that God wants us to know him. Yeah. And so if I look at myself, the way that I want to know God, I probably want to control him. Yeah. I, th- I do think I want to control my interaction with God. Mm. And I have a, uh, a picture in my mind of what a good, healthy relationship with God and who God should mm. be in my life yeah. should look like. 
And I'm pretty confident that isn't the picture that God has. God has actually, in the relationship that he has with me, is unlike any human relationship. Yeah. Because he actually needs to do a work in me yeah. over my lifetime of taking me through the refiner's fire to turn me into the person that he actually wants me to be. Yeah. And so that all has to be broken. Yeah. And so the idea of actually going deeper in God, I may like it as a concept, but as a practical application, <laughs> yeah, it's good. No, we really don't like want it. To go That's there. the thing. Yeah. And I think this is a really good point because I think a lot of what we've talked about today has talked about, you know, how you think in, in you know, how our minds work and, and thinking about things differently. But, you know, how we feel, unfortunately, most yeah. of the time, our feelings take priority over our thoughts. Yeah. And, and so we discount what we should be thinking based on how we're feeling, mm -hmm. you know, and yet scripture says in Romans 12 too, you know, do not conform to this world through the renewing of your mind yeah. so that you would know, yeah. not your heart or your feelings, but through your mind. And well, I think this is a challenge in a lot of the conversation we've had so far is I think we're talking about a lot of things that we actually have to intentionally think about. And I think that's absolutely yeah, true. Yeah, although that's not to intellectualize. No, no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, <clears throat> it's because that in, in a sense we're saying that there's there's something greater than we can even conceive Correct. of in the in the, in the rational sense. But there's there's a decision to make. That's right. That's yeah. what I was trying to say. And that's Coddle got to a point of making a decision yeah, that's in right. his experience. Regardless of how he felt, he made that decision. Well, and I I think the feeling thing is, is hard because what God wants us to do is actually, he needs to lead us into a way of us letting go of who mm. we want to be, yeah. put our roots deep down into God in a way yeah. that we don't feel that we need to control him or yeah. that we need to control the, our knowledge in him or how our relationship yeah. exists with him, that those roots become so deep that no matter what, mm. our trust and faith and hope is firmly planted in him. And that is the narrative of scripture. all of the struggles all through scripture. If none of that was in, in the Bible, yeah. I think we'd have a problem because it'd be painting a picture of reality in the Bible that isn't actually real. But yeah. the, the truth and the rawness mm. of, of the picture that's painted in the biblical narrative completely backs this up. I don't know why as Christians, we have this expectation of God, you know, to relate to us the way that we think yeah. he should, when in the biblical narrative, that is not the, the yeah. and there's a reason for that. And I think he demonstrates it, that he wants us to trust. He wants us to hold out that no matter what, no matter what is flung at us, we will always still hold true in the knowledge of, of of what he's done for us. Yeah, that's right. So so just to ground this as we as we close, the important thing in the, all of those many examples of people struggling and this where are you God and there's always this movement of faith. Faith is a struggle. It's almost a kind of death pang and and this brings us back to the central good news uh, of Jesus Christ that is there is this sense that we have created these autonomous independent selves, you know, cocooned in our little, you know, our own little universes and sort of cut off from God. And Jesus is saying, it is now possible for you to be reconciled with God, but it also involves a kind of death. It, it involves us surrendering ourselves completely over to God. It, it involves the death of our independent or autonomous selves so that we can re-find ourselves in God, mm. uh, we in him, he in us. and 
there's that moment or that struggle of faith to let go of everything else. Faith is involves this relinquishment of everything that is not God, everything that we've trusted into or held onto, and this absolute surrender to God. So you see this in Job. I mean, you know, there's this the high this high point in Job, you know, where he says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Let's just recognize that's there in the book of Job. You see that in the Psalms, all of the appeals. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why are you so far from me? But he said, there's this constant, but you are my God. And he's, and there's this exercise of faith, but it's an unfolding struggle because he's making the decision to step into, into this reality and to surrender to this reality. And, and I think, I think for people who are struggling, I would say embrace that struggle because the struggle is a struggle of letting go of a whole way of being. Keep moving towards that moment of faith surrender. You will know God, but it will be nothing like anything you imagined. It will be vaster. It will be so much greater. It'll be so much more constant. It'll be probably less sensational than you imagined it to be. It won't be about emotions. It'll be way, way bigger than that. Why? Because God is way greater than that. Because God is infinite and eternal and we are immersed in his presence. And to know God is a kind of death to that independent, autonomous self, an immersion in the reality of God. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Thrive Perspectives. Our hope is that these discussions will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective. You'll find all our resources at the Thrive Today website, thrivetoday.tv. If there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please email us. Our email is contact at thrivetoday.tv. Until next time, our prayer is that you will thrive.